Um, our first reading is from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 3, starting at verse 3 through to 17. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarrelling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work, if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person, for God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. The second reading can be found on page 995 in the Church Bible, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 11. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God, 
who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. first talking with our senior pastor, Paul Dale, about coming here, um, he mentioned that this year at 2020 is the year of enjoying God. And as he was kind of explaining his heart behind that and how this whole year is going to be dedicated as a church to finding our satisfaction in God alone, I just looked at him and I said, I want to be a part of that church. I want to be a part of a church that recognizes that everything in this world is just a shadow of the joy that can be offered in the God who made us. Um, because Psalm 16 says that at his right hand are eternal joys forevermore. And I just want to say how excited I am to be here, um, to be enjoying God with you. And I really want to pray for us that this would be a year where you come to know and experience God in a way that you never have before, whether you're not even sure if you're a Christian right now um, or if you've been following him for years, I believe that there is more joy to be had than ever experienced anywhere else. And I've already been so blessed in this series, yeah, the the first things where we've looked at these gifts that God has given us to actually come and enjoy Him. We had the Bible the first week, yeah, you you know what I'm talking about, Bible. We had prayer the second week, we had church last week, and finally we get to evangelism this week. And Betsy put it great, evangelism just means sharing the good news of Jesus, going out and talking to people about the hope that we have. Um, It's a big word, but it doesn't mean anything more than that. And I've got to be honest with you, though. Um, I can understand how we could enjoy God deeply in the Word because we get to hear His voice. That's beautiful. I can understand how we get to enjoy God in prayer because we get to step into the presence of a holy God and speak with Him. That makes sense to me. Um, And I can even get how church is such this joyful moment where together we, the temple, get to be before God and worship Him. I've already experienced that joy together today. And then I get to evangelism and I just kind of go, where's the joy? Um, You know, I have already seen amongst this church a heart for sharing the gospel and I'm so thankful for it. Um, But I find it really hard. And I wonder if you find it hard. Roz, you were so honest before. I love that. Evangelism can be really hard. Sharing your faith with someone can be, can be really difficult. How in the world are we going to put this in the same place as, as word and prayer and church as something that God gives us to enjoy Him? Well, I, I really do believe that sharing your faith is this unique, beautiful moment where you get to enjoy God. And I think the reason sometimes we miss that is because we need to have our hearts and we need to have our eyes recalibrated, Yeah. I think sometimes we, we put ourselves first. And ironically, this series is called First Things First, where we know that it's important that people meet Jesus, so we know we should do it. But when we approach this big thing that is evangelism and mission, 
we just kind of expect us to be able to pull it off. We put all this pressure on ourselves and we actually try and win people to Christ from our own strength. And that's why it feels so big and so daunting and difficult because it's impossible. It's literally impossible. And so this morning, I just want us to to recalibrate, to come and just sit before the Lord and, and stop resting in our own strength for what he's called us to do, but to come and just to rest in what he has given us as part of his plan. And so I got two things that I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about God's mission in this world, and I want to talk about our part in it. I want to talk about God's mission in this world, and I want to talk about our part in it. Because when we talk about sharing the gospel of Jesus, it is not yours. It's God's. It's not yours. Stop, stop burdening, weighing yourself down with a burden that's not yours. Stop putting the yoke of, of salvation upon yourself because you aren't the one who decided to give his son to die for the world. And you aren't the one who reaches down into a heart of stone and replaces it with a heart of flesh. You are not the one who brings dead souls to life. That's the Lord himself. And he has been doing this work since before the beginning of time. And he's going to bring it all to a conclusion at the end of time when we all stand before his throne and worship him forever. You get to just be a small, little, tiny, minuscule blip in the journey that is God's mission in this world. So take the burden off. It's not yours. In Ephesians 1, Paul writes that God chose us in Jesus before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. It was true for the Ephesians, it's true for you and me, and it's true for the people outside these walls right now who are yet to meet Jesus, but who will meet Jesus. God has already chosen them before the beginning of time, and you get to be a part of that. Right from the beginning of the Bible, we we see that God has had this plan to save a people for himself. In Genesis, the first book, you get the first promise made to mankind. That's to, to, the, um, to the man Abraham or Abram. Um, and he says to him in Genesis 12 that I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. But here's the important part. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. I don't know about you, but sometimes I pick up my Bible and I look at Old Testament, New Testament. I think Old Testament, that's all the old stuff for the Jewish people. New Testament, that's the good stuff for you and me. But this is the first book of the Bible, right at the beginning, and God has promised to make a nation from all peoples and bless them. Right from the beginning. That's, what, that's, that's his intention from the beginning, was to declare his glory of the infinite holy God, declare his glory by reaching into this world and saving a people for himself. So if that's the start of the Bible, what does the end of the Bible say? Revelation 4 to 7 just has this this amazing, this beautiful picture. Go and read it after church. There's three chapters of just glory where there's a throne in the center of the room and God is enthroned on this this throne. And there are 24 elders that, that come And they bow down and just pour their worship out before God. And they just kind of represent the 12 tribes of Judah, Old Testament, the 12 apostles, New Testament. We're seeing how God's purposes all come together, yeah? Those elders are worshiping him, and then suddenly the angels come, and it says there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of angels that that all just come before this throne, and they just start pouring out their worship before God because he's holy and deserves it, yeah? Then it says... 
every creature in creation cries out and worships the Lord. And they, so, so everything begins to worship him. But to get the climax of what God is doing here, we get to chapter 7. And it says that there are a people around the throne, a people from every tribe, from every nation, who God has rescued from the world, who God has washed with the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. And they all stand there and just pour out their praises on God. All for his glory, but you and I just get to be swept up in this grand cosmic plan to save this one set of people who are gods. So, just relax. Yeah? Just relax. When God says, you know, it's good to share your faith, just relax a little, yeah? It's not on you, it's His mission, it's His plan. And it's for his glory. How is there joy in evangelism? You get to be a part of that. You get to be the person that God uses to restore someone to him forever. It says in Luke that when one sinner repents, all the angels in heaven celebrate. One sinner. You can just imagine that party in heaven when someone turns to Jesus. And you get to be a part of that. There's joy in evangelism. Deep joy. So you got the first thing is you got to realize that it's God's mission, it's not yours. But the second thing is to, again, just to take the pressure off, to realize that you are actually incapable of the kind of transformation that we need to see here. I mentioned earlier I became a Christian when I was 14 in year nine, um, and I was, um, you know, at the time convinced that Jesus needed to be my everything. And so I, sur- I used the word surrender. I surrendered everything to God. But at the time, I thought about what I was doing as kind of like when anyone changes their mind about anything. I thought that I was kind of being like, you know, I didn't think there was a God. Now I do think there's a God. And so my life's going to change because I changed what I believe. I thought it was a change of mind. Kind of like when someone becomes a Muslim or becomes a Buddhist or becomes any other religion. They're sort of like been convinced by the evidence and so they change their mind. It's almost like when you change football teams. If you're into football, you would never do that because you're loyal to your team. I understand that. But if you changed your football team, it's, you know, your life's going to change a little bit and you've changed your mind, right? That's what I thought about becoming a Christian. That's what I thought conversion looked like. But I couldn't be more wrong. Um, you actually can't convince anyone to become a Christian, You can't tell anyone what to do to change their mind because it's not a change of mind, it's a resurrection. It's the dead coming to life. It's those who are walking in darkness being lifted out and stepped into the glorious light of the King. And you can't do that. Ephesians 2 Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And there's a little bit of an irony here that, like, if you're trying to earn God's favor right now um, and come to God on your own terms, you're effectively just spraying some perfume on a corpse because you're dead. No one comes to God unless he makes you alive. We need a resurrection. We need a transformation. I was not a Christian. There was nothing in my life that said I should be a Christian. There was really no one in my life apart from that friend that I eventually met that I knew who loved Jesus. And yet here I stand before you 11 years later, not just a part of a church, but with the privilege to open the Bible for you. 
That's the mission of God, taking a dead soul and breathing life into it and grabbing hold of it and using it for his purposes. And that's what he wants to do with you. When you come to evangelism, just stop and feel that sense of of, of inadequacy because that's good. That's normal. Because you need to be dependent on the Lord. Because only the Spirit of God can bring life. Only the Spirit of God can bring life. I think we often fear evangelism because we don't feel like we've got the right answers. We don't feel like we've got the right language. We don't feel like we've got the right words to to convince anyone. But just put that aside. You don't need them. You don't. You just need to share the hope that you have in Jesus and trust and pray that God will be the one to do that. I was leading and speaking on a youth camp last year. Um, There's about 55 youth, I think. There's about 20 leaders. And we were going through a series on prayer. Um, which was beautiful two weeks ago to think about prayer and how we just step into this intimate relationship with God. That's kind of what I was talking about all week. I knew there were about 10, maybe 12 um, students on camp that weren't Christian and openly said, hey, I'm not a Christian. I'm here because my mate invited me or I'm here because I heard you got water games and they sound awesome. And they were awesome, okay? They were great. Um, I I knew there was 10 to 12 kids and I knew that this was my last talk I knew this was my last opportunity to get up and declare the gospel of Jesus to them, my last opportunity, at least with them here right now, to help them see that Jesus is life and only he has life. And I just felt this enormous weight. It was about 12 o'clock on the Thursday. I was preaching at six. And I just felt just inadequate. I looked at my talk that I'd written, you know, a week or two before, and I was like, this thing sucks. There's just no power in this. There's nothing. it's It's not good enough. So I ripped it. I just ripped it up. And I got my team together and I said, I've got to go over to this room and um, I'm just going to pray and try and write a new talk. <laughs> and they always looked at me like I was crazy because I think I was crazy. But, um, so I locked myself away for about four hours, from about two till six. And I just got on my knees and prayed um, and just, I cried a bit. I don't normally cry. You know, you get to know me. I'm a bit of a robot. There's not a lot of tears that come, but I was crying um, because I just, I knew that I needed to speak and I knew that they needed life, and I just couldn't find the words. You know, you ever had that sense that you're just like, you know you need to do it, but you just can't. I just felt like, oh, it's about 5.58. I've got something together. I forgot to print it, so it's on my phone. I don't even have the notes out, and I'm just sort of just sweating and stressing, and there's two minutes before I get up to preach, and, and I'm just kind of like outside wandering around, just doing these ones, just trying to add a few little things that maybe will we'll fix it. And, and I just had to just stop and go, God, i just got to give it to you. Um, just take it. Just do something with this inadequate, terrible talk that I've written. Please, Lord, just save. Um, so I got up, preached for about 30 minutes, and um, I got to the end, and I gave the whole camp just a chance to respond to whatever God might be doing. You know, maybe you want to become a Christian. We'd love you to come out the front and just chat with us so we can help you step in faith. Maybe you're already a Christian, but you want to just take Jesus more seriously, that sort of thing. We gave them an opportunity to come and just pray. And so I, I put it out there. I said, it's going to be two or three minutes. The band's going to play a song. If you want to come down and just chat with someone, no pressure. You know, youth, you know, they feel the pressure. You know, like, they're just, you know, come down. You can talk to anyone, your favorite friend, whatever. Bring a friend with you if you need. Just, you know, come on down. I sat there for the three minutes and no one came. And I just, I just sat there and, you know, I was like, God, I knew this talk sucked. <laughs> but, you know, I trust you. Um, you know, I know that I can't save them anyway, so I just, you know, maybe I pray that you'd save them another time. Um, you know, you kind of go through those thoughts. I was just committing them back to God. And I really believe that. I go, God, you can, you will save them. I just trust them to you. It's not now, but maybe next time. 
Um, but I got up at the end of the three minutes and I picked up the microphone. And I was like, okay, last chance. If anyone wants to come and respond, just anyone. You know, it's like, come on down. You know, anyone, please. And um, no, I just kind of put it out there just before we moved on to the next thing. And this one brave, bold year 12 girl stood up and came down the front and she said, Nick, I want to become a Christian. Um, and in my heart, I just exploded with joy. God just saved that girl. She just moved from darkness to life. And I was just, I was just, oh, I can't explain to you how joyful I felt. That I'd been, I knew that I couldn't do it. I've been praying and God just answered it. And I just, that's evangelism. Where you just, you can't, but but you can because of God. And as I just sat there and just talked with this girl, I look up and there's 35 people coming down the front out of the 55 from the camp. Um, turns out youth don't want to be the first person. Huh? Who would have thought? And so after this first girl came down, everyone's like, well, it's not weird anymore. She's kind of cool. And so everybody came down. There were, there were 10 people that became Christians that day. And there were 25, to, I think it was 38 people that responded total. So 20, 28 people that, that said, hey, I want to take Jesus more seriously. Um, and I just, I can't explain to you how freeing it is to just really realize that you can't do it, but God will do it. So I want to put it before you. Who are you going to share the gospel with? Who are you going to pray for? You can't do it. You should feel a sense of, you know, I can't. But then persevere through that as you step in and trust in the Lord. And you will see joy. There's joy even when someone doesn't get saved. There's just joy in being able to be a part of that cosmic plan of what God's doing. But when he does step through and and does something supernatural and amazing, there is a joy that's indescribable. Maybe you think, I've I've never done it before. I don't know what I'm doing. Come along to Alpha. Great opportunity to just hear how people talk about the gospel. Bring a friend with you. Um, Or step out in faith and be bold. You know, no one's asking you to be a PhD in, you know, New Testament history. We just want you to share what you know in Jesus. Please come and do that. So that's the first thing. That's God's mission. And there's just this, this, this sense of freedom, knowing that it's his mission and not ours. And we get to just step into that and be a part of that. But the second thing is just to, to flesh out a little bit more what our role is in the mission. If it's God's, how come we're a part of it? Well, God, in his infinite wisdom and beauty, has decided that instead of using angels or using um, you know, you know, divine visions to save people, he's chosen to grab hold of you and me, the people in the local church, in the areas all over the world, and he's kind of given us the mission. He said, it's mine, but I'm going to use you for it. And so one of the most famous parts of the Bible, Matthew 28, it's the Great Commission, 18 to 20, it says, all of, this is Jesus speaking, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore... Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Notice that he says, go and make disciples. So you've got a role, you've got a job. You are to go and make disciples. But notice that he says, firstly, all authority has been given to me. So we go from Jesus. We don't go in our own strength, in our own self. We go in Jesus. And then he finishes it by saying, and surely I'm with you always. There's never a moment as you go. There's never a moment as you make disciples that you're by yourself. You, you get to go with him. He's filled you with his spirit. Acts chapter one is kind of like the culmination of this, where he says, I'm going to put my spirit in you. And that's the power that you need to see the dead come to life. 
And then you just get this beautiful picture of 2 Corinthians 5, which we had read out, that in verse 18, that all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. It's, it's a little bit cheesy. I've heard it from someone else, so I'm stealing this, but, but he saves us and then he sends us. He saves us and then he sends us. God saves sinners and then he sends sinners. You're a saved sinner and you're a sent sinner. You take the message that he's given you and changed your life with and you go and you share and you make disciples. What does that look like? It looks like being an ambassador. And we had that read from 2 Corinthians 5. I love this picture. I think this is the most helpful picture for your role and my role and our role as we go and make disciples is that we are ambassadors. Um, What's an ambassador? An ambassador is someone who represents someone else somewhere. So you've got the classic sort of ambassador for another country. You've got the ambassador of the US who lives in Australia and represents the US in Australia. You are King Jesus's ambassador. When people look at you, they see the person that's representing King Jesus in the world. And they look at you and they see the person that King Jesus has sent to represent him in the world. And so there's this beautiful picture that we get to just in our daily lives reflect something of Christ. It's helpful what Betsy did with the mirror, yeah? We just get to reflect a picture of Jesus to the world around us um, to help others see Jesus. Um, Some of us are going to be really gifted at going and preaching. And so they're going to be the people that stand up the front and preach the gospel. But others of us probably don't feel that. We feel like that's the most terrifying thing in the world to stand on a stage. And so we just get to you know, meet people and have relationships with people and invite them into our home. Other people really struggle with people. And so they don't want to talk to anyone. They just kind of want to be a part of making mission happen. There's opportunities for everyone in their uniqueness to be a part of what God's doing. But the thing that remains common to all of us is that God sent you and that you're his ambassador. You're going to regularly hear um, some imagery here at church that we're not a cruise ship, we're a lifeboat. We're not a cruise ship, we're a lifeboat. Um, a cruise ship, I, don't, I really want to go on a cruise. Um, you know, maybe you listened to Andrew's talk a couple of weeks ago. He also wants to go on a cruise. So maybe we get a group of people who want to go on a cruise together and we can go on a cruise. That'd be really fun. But, but a cruise, in my imagining, maybe you've been, you can tell me, you get on this enormous boat that's got like you know, 20 stories tall. And just every level's got restaurants and bars and, you know, water slides. And, and you just kind of get on this boat, and the expectation is that you're going to be weighted on hand and foot. That you're going to come, and people are just going to make your life beautiful and wonderful. And sometimes that can be our approach to church. I'm going to come into church, and I just can't wait for them to feed me spiritually. And I can't wait for them to, you know, just make sure I have really great friendships. And, you know, we kind of come and we approach church like a cruise ship. Um, that's not what we're doing here at Church by the Bridge and St. Augustine's. We're not a cruise ship, we're a lifeboat. Because we've received salvation. We've been given salvation to bring out. And so everyone who's a part of church on the lifeboat picks up something and gets to work. To be a part of rescuing the lost in Kirribilli, in Neutral Bay, in Sydney, in Australia, in the world. We are all a part of this lifeboat. Your role is going to look a little different, yeah, depending on who you are and what God's made you to be. But we're all a part of this. And I think that's beautiful. Um, There's an urgency to that. People are, are, are drowning. People need salvation. People are dead in their sins. And we have life. We have hope. And so we are a lifeboat. Now, just to wrap up, 
I just I heard that last year was the year of courageous faith. Is that right? Courageous faith. Am I getting that right? Um, I love that. That's so good. But I don't want us to run the danger of thinking evangelism and mission was 2019's thing and 2020's the enjoying God thing where we just get to have a really great time singing lots of songs. Like, let's not just kind of, let's not separate those two things because I really believe that we're going to enjoy God through our courageous faith. I really believe that God is going to reach the lost and bring us joy through that as we step out in faith. So let's not put our feet on the brakes. Let's put our feet on the accelerator as a church. Let's, let's get even more serious about sharing our faith with those who need it. Um, let's get more serious about prayer and praying for the lost. And let's get more serious about delighting in God through evangelism. So I've just got two questions to finish up for you. And the first one is how are you going to represent King Jesus in 2020? How are you going to represent King Jesus in 2020? And who are you praying to know Christ in 2020? Who are you praying to know Christ in 2020? The first, you're you're being sent as an ambassador. You're already representing King Jesus right now. Let's do it thoughtfully. And the second, you know that only God can bring life. So who are you praying for? And who are you sharing the gospel with?